Over the last two weeks, we've been learning how to know God's will. And Pastor Scott and Pastor Bo did a tremendous job communicating on how to decode God's will. And many of you have been sensing. Over the last couple of weeks, you've been kind of sensing some direction. Whenever we kind of do a series like this, people are seeking God's will and direction. And some of you are starting to feel like God's giving you some direction. He's, 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 he's kind of leading you in a direction. And you're, you're sensing maybe you're supposed to marry the person. Or, or maybe you're sensing you're, so, you're supposed to break off the dating relationship. Or, or maybe you're sensing that you're supposed to change jobs. Or, or maybe you're sensing, I think God might be leading me to, to buy the house or buy the car or maybe to sell the house or or to sell the car or maybe you've been sensing you're supposed to stop the habit or or change something about your life and and here's what people begin to wonder you're trying to make this decision and you begin to wonder is this God is this me or is this the devil and how do I know the difference How do I know? And that's what I want to talk to you today. I've titled today's message, Pass the Test. Pass the Test. If you're going to know if it's God or the devil or just you, you have to make sure that it passes the test. And if it passes the test, you can know that it's the Lord leading you. Let me give you some scriptural foundation for what I'm going to teach you today. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must, that's a critical word, come on, with everybody at all of our locations, shout must, that's key, you must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. The Bible says test the spirits. Why? Why test it? Because everybody that says God is saying this is not speaking for God. Everybody that says this is God's will for your life, they're not right. They're not accurate. So the Bible says you've got you've to test it if you're going to know it because there are people that are not speaking of God. They're speaking out of their flesh or speaking from the enemy's perspective or point of view or from his leading, and it requires you to test it. Romans 12 and verse 2 explains it this way. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal or the renewing of your mind, that by testing, Testing, you may discern what is God, what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if you're going to know and live in the will of God, you have to make sure that your decisions pass the test. The Bible says you've got to test it if you're going to know the perfect will of God. And what I want to do today is I want to give you some very biblical and yet very practical tests to help you discern, to help you decode, to help you discover the will of God for your life. Number one is this. Number one is this. Test one. Does it agree with the Bible? I know we've mentioned this throughout this series, but it's so critical. Does it agree with the Bible? God will not give you direction that contradicts what he's already said in his word. 
God never, ever, 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 ever contradicts his word. The truth and the principles of the Bible are not only true yesterday and today, but they endure forever. And there are a whole lot of things that change all the time. I mean, we live in a world that's always changing. Fads change. Culture changes. Hairstyles change. Fashion changes. How many of you remember back in the day when it was bell bottoms? I mean, who used to rock some bell bottoms in here, huh? Where are you? Huh? Now jeans so tight you can't breathe. How many know what I'm talking about, huh? <laughs> Styles change. Even science changes. But the truth of God's word endures forever. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Now, what are the flowers of the field? What happens to them? Because the Bible compares us to like flowers of the field. It says the grass withers and the flowers fall. And we, we wither and we, we die. Verse, but verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word of the Lord endures forever. And as your pastor, I'm committed to getting you exposed and getting the word of God into you as much as possible. We are unapologetically a Bible preaching church. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. If you hold a different point of view or worldview, I'm so glad you're here. You're so welcome here. I'm so glad you're at People's Church. But I believe that the Bible is the word of God. And so we preach from the Bible every single week. We, in our kids' ministry, in, in our kids' environments, in our youth ministry, we teach the word of God, the Bible to the next generation. And our deeper nights, our next deeper night will be the first Wednesday night in September. You will hear from the word of God. We believe in the Bible. We encourage you to read the Bible. We, we call it the first 15 around here. When we say give God the first 15 minutes of every day, begin there. Just the first 15 minutes. Everybody has 15 minutes to give God. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship, and five minutes reading God's word. Get into God's word. And some people say, well, pastor, I've tried reading the Bible. I don't get anything out of it. I just don't even have time to read the Bible because I get nothing out of it. Listen to me. Trust me here. Keep reading God's word. Keep reading it because it will take a hold of your life and it will help you to discover and to discern God's will for your life. Stay in God's word. And one of the keys is this. When you're reading God's word, don't change God's word to fit you. You change to fit God's word. So you, you, you'll get into trouble if you try to change God's word to fit your life and to fit your lifestyle and to fit your ideologies and to fit how you grew up. If you try to change God's word to fit you, you'll miss out on God's word. Now I'm going to say something very important right now. Before I get to test number two, what I'm going to say is really, really key. If the decision that you're trying to make does not pass the first test, you don't need to take any of the other tests. 
Well, I don't know if I like that one. I'm waiting for the other test. No, 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 no. If it doesn't pass the first test, you don't even need to move on any further to the other test. Test number two is this. Am I in right relationship with God? Am I in right relationship with God? When when you're trying to discover God's will, ask yourself this question. Am I in a right relationship with God? We're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about direction. You see, a lot of Christians make decisions without being in a right relationship with God. There are a lot of Christians that they're going to heaven, but they are living life controlled by their flesh. They're not living life following the promptings and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Their flesh is in control. And friends, can I tell you that when our flesh is in control, we will miss God's will for our life. We can't trust our flesh. This flesh is crazy. Our flesh will lie to us. It will lead us astray. Last week when I was on vacation with my family in Wisconsin, my flesh told me to eat ice cream every night. And I listened to it. Yeah, Jesus, Lord have mercy. A dessert and ice cream and all of it. I'm a little heavy today. Pray for me, church. This flesh is something else. And you don't want to make major decisions unless your spiritual life is strong. Let me take you back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I want to teach you here. Romans 12 and verse 2. I want to give you just a little bit more insight into this portion of scripture. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing, by the renewal of your mind. Then, come on, everybody shout then. That's key. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will be able to know God's will. Only then. Only when? Only when your mind is renewed. Only when your your spiritual life is strong. That's why you got to read God's word daily. That's why you got to be in church. Listen, I don't encourage you just to come to church out of religious habit and religious routine. Man, you need to be here so you can hear the preached word of God and that your mind can be being renewed so that you can live in the will of God. Get to growth track. Growth track is happening today. It's in your bulletin. You can get there right after this service. You can go to our growth track room out in the main lobby at the Red Arc room out there. Get there. Why? That class is designed to help you to discover your God-given purpose. Listen, you've got to be strong spiritually. That's why I encourage you, get in a small group, serve on the dream team faithfully, pray every day, worship every day, obey God's word, get your spiritual life strong. Then, then you will be able to know God's will. Test two is this, test two. Pastor, I'm trying to discover God's will. I'm trying to decode God's will. Are you in right relationship with God? Number three is this, test three. Does it make me more like Christ? Before you make big decisions, ask yourself this question before you make the decision. Will this decision make me more like Christ? Will this decision produce quite Christ-like qualities in me and in others? Will this decision cause you to love people more? 
We're talking about Christ-like qualities. The greatest commandment in the Bible is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Will this decision cause you to be more kind, more truthful, more respectful towards people, more patient with people? Or will this decision cause you to be more mean and rude and impatient and envious towards people. Now, I know this is going to shock some of you when I say it, but God never leads you to be a jerk. I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. He never leads you to be a jerk. Will this decision cause you to forgive people more. We're talking about Christ-like qualities. Matthew 6 and verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Will this decision cause you to forgive people more? Or will it create hate and division and disunity and gossip and retaliating? God is never leading you to get even, to cause division and strife. Will this decision cause you to serve people more? We're talking about Christ-like qualities. Mark chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus said this, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Will this decision cause you to be more selfish or selfless? Will it lead you to serve people more or to serve yourself more? Will it lead you to help others or only to always help your self will this decision cause you to give to people more acts chapter 20 verse 35 remembering the words of the lord jesus himself it is more blessed to give than to receive will this decision cause you to give more or to take more will it make you more generous or will it make you more stingy test three is this test three will this decision cause you and others to be more like christ Test number four. Test number four is this. Have I sought godly counsel? Have I sought godly counsel? I know Pastor Bo talked some about this last week, but I want to unpack it for you a little bit more today because it's so critical in discovering and discerning and decoding God's will. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 says, where there is no counsel, where there is no godly counsel, the people fall The people stumble. The people miss God's will. But in the multitude of counselors, in the multitude of godly counsel, there is safety. There is safety in God's will. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel. Some of you wondering, why why aren't my plans ever working? I can't seem to be in God's will. It's not working out for me. Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. To to discover God's will, we all need godly counsel. We all need to seek godly counsel. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter how much experience you have, how mature you are in the Lord. All of us need godly counsel. We never outgrow our need to seek out godly wisdom. And I want to give you three prerequisites before seeking godly counsel. I see a lot of people miss it here. I see a lot of people make poor decisions for their life because they're listening to the wrong people. So you gotta get counsel, but you need godly counsel. 
I see people all the time. Well, I think I'm going to do it. How come? Well, my boys said it was good. I talked to them. Your boys don't know no more than you know. Stop listening to them. That's why y'all all hang out together. Birds of a feather flock. Pastor, you meddling now. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to help your life today. So let me give you three prerequisites before seeking godly counsel. Number one is this. Do they live a godly life that is producing godly fruit? Do they live a godly life? So before you go to that person, ask, the, ask yourself this question. Do they live a godly life that is producing godly fruit? Are they living a godly life and is it evident? Not just with their talk, but with their lifestyle. And you need to be careful because you don't want to seek counsel from people that are going to give you carnal, fleshly, worldly, ungodly counsel. Because it will lead you out of God's will. Number two is this, the second prerequisite, is do they have experience in the area you need wisdom in? Do they have experience? So you want to get godly counsel, but you also want to get counsel from people who have experience. Do they have experience? If you're needing counsel in, in marriage or you're thinking about getting married, do, do they have experience in marriage? I'm not talking about six months or a year, but do they really have some experience? They have experience in parenting. You're needing parenting advice. Do they have experience in relationships and, and navigating relationships in a healthy way? Do they have experience in finances or do they have experience in business or, or maybe you're going through a crisis? Do they have experience in, in handling a crisis and, and navigating a difficult season well? Do, do you see experience in their life and doing it well? Do they have experience in grieving? Do, do they have, maybe they've lost a loved one or people have walked out on them and they've had to grieve. Do they have experience in walking through that? Do they have experience with following Jesus. So you want to ask yourself that question. Before you go seek godly counsel from someone, do they have experience? Number three is this, the third prerequisite before seeking godly counsel is, do they have proven results? Do they have proven results? How I many of you realize experience doesn't always equal results? How I many know somebody that's lived a long time and still crazy? How I many you know somebody like that? You're like... Stop looking at your neighbor. Would you stop that? You want to get wisdom and counsel from people who have a good track record of results. If people don't have proven results, a proven track record, whether it's their relationships or career or financial management or marriage or parenting or business, you have to avoid seeking out God's will from them. Listen, if, if the person can't discover and live out God's will for their own life, how are they going to help discover it for your life? You want to find somebody that's godly, that's got experience, and that's got a good track record. And whenever I'm making major decisions for my life, I always seek out godly counsel. It's one of the keys that has helped me to live in God's will. Before I married my wife, Tiffany, over 20 years ago, we were in college, and it was my senior year, and I went to one of the professors on the campus who was seasoned in life and marriage, and I sat down in his office, and I asked question after question about marriage and ministry and life, and should I get married, and should I marry her? And he sat there and gave me godly counsel. We went to premarital counseling. When I started out in the ministry, I started preaching at the age of 17, and 
and started traveling throughout college. And right when I graduated college, I got hooked up with Lynn Wheeler. He's, he comes to our church every year to preach. He's one of, uh, one of the people that invested in my life in the early years. He taught me about traveling. He taught me how to get along with pastors, how to serve pastors, how to serve the church, how to be a blessing. He taught me the ropes and how to handle my calendar and my schedule. It was mentors. Even today, I seek out mentors that are further ahead of me, that are further along on the journey than me. I seek out people. I have a pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. My pastor is Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands. I can seek out wisdom and counsel. We all need godly wisdom if we're going to know and live in the will of God. Let me give you the next test, test number five. Before I give it to you, it's been a few weeks since you heard me preach, and you need to get back in the flow of your pastor. So just look at your neighbor and say, I know you don't need this message today, but I'm glad you're here anyways. I know it's not for you. I know this is not for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number five, number five, number five. Do I have God's peace? Do I have God's, this is key. Do I have God's peace? I want to help you find the will of God. I want to help you live in the will of God. I want to help you decode the will of God. Do I have God's peace? John 16 verse 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Pastor, I want to know God's will. He will tell you what is yet to come. All Christians have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit speaks to us about what is yet to come. Let me say this to you. God still speaks today. I'm going to say it again. God still speaks today. And one of the key ways, one of the key ways that God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit is through peace. It's through peace. Let me share this scripture with you. If you're seeking God's will in an area of your life, this is a great scripture to memorize. Here it goes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 16. It says this. Now may the Lord of peace, God is a God of peace. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. How many times, church? At all times. And in every way. In how many ways? Yes, may, may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times. And in every way, the Lord be with all of you. When you're making decisions, you have to ask yourself, do I sense God's peace? Because if you're getting ready to make a decision and you feel stressed out, you feel pressured, you feel anxious, you're having anxiety, you need to wait on that decision. You need to pray more. You need to go through the other five tests again. And if you still don't have peace in your heart, it's not God. One thing I'm confident of, is God leads through peace. Now, let me say this to you. Peace doesn't mean it's always easy. Peace doesn't mean the absence of struggle or pain. God has asked me on many occasions to do something. He's led me in a direction that was not easy, that was, was difficult, that was challenging, that even created pain in my own life. But I had peace because God leads through peace. I'm talking to someone right now getting ready to make a decision and you don't have peace. 
I don't care if it makes sense, but you don't have peace. I don't care what everybody else is saying. You don't have peace. Don't make a decision without having the peace of God. God always leads through peace. Let me give you the sixth test. The sixth test is, am I pursuing God's will? This is critical. Am I pursuing God's will? Here's a personal question for you today. Are you pursuing God's will? Today, every single person falls into one of three categories. One of three categories. Which category do you fall in today? The first category is this. I want what I want. I want what I want. God, I got my own will. I got my own agenda. I got my own plans. And Lord, I want you to bless them. Because I want what I want. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to sing songs. I'm going to say, amen, preach it, pastor. But I want what I want. Some of you are in that category. Not a very good place to be to discover God's will for your life. Category number two is this. I want what you want, but. Some of you are in that category. God, I want what you want, but I have some conditions. I will follow you anywhere, but not there. I will do whatever you want me to do, but not that. I will follow, God, I will follow you with all of my heart as long as I'm happy. I want what you want, but, and you will miss out on living in the sweet spot of God's will if you follow God with conditions attached to it. And I will say that's a better than I want what I want, but I want what you want, but is not where God really wants you to be. Here's the third category that I want everyone to be in, and that is I want what you want. I want what you want. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I want what you want, period. Period. I want what you want. Jesus modeled this for us so well as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to die on the cross of Calvary for humanity's sin. He didn't want to die the excruciating death of hanging on a cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet. He didn't want a crown of thorns on his head and a spear in his side. So he prayed this prayer to his heavenly father, Luke 22 and verse 41. He withdrew, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Friends, God's will is not always easy. God's will doesn't always make sense. Because sometimes it requires you to die to yourself. Sometimes it requires you to do something that you don't want to do. God's will is not always easy but it's always best. It's always best. Do you want God's will for your life even if it goes against your will? Will you surrender to God's will? God, that's not what I want, but not my will. 
your will be done. Today, would you surrender that relationship with it to him? Would you surrender that career decision to him? Would you surrender your marriage to him? Would you surrender your children to him? Would you surrender your parents to him? Would you surrender your finances to him? Would you surrender your future? God, not my will. Your will be done. Test number six. Am I pursuing?